theyeshiva.net. Okay, welcome everybody. I want to welcome especially Rebbe Schlesinger from Strasbourg, France. It's an honor to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence and your family, your daughter as well. It's an honor to have your son in our city, illuminating the whole shtetl and beyond. Yeah, yeah, his mother taught him well. Okay, welcome everybody. So if you could just take a chumash, the blue chumashim, and uh, you're not back in school today, but we're always in school, school of life, as you said. So if you could turn to Parshas Vayera, in these chumashim, it's page 57, the beginning of chapter Chav Beis, Perik Chav Beis of Bereshis, Genesis chapter 22, it's Shvi, it's the last aliyah of Vayera. At least Chumashim, if you have this, it should be page 57. It should be Perik Chavbez Vahi Achar Hadvarim Ha'ela. Okay, today's class is dedicated by Sydney Ryan in memory of her beloved sister, Stella Jane, whose love and faith lives on in all who encountered her. Thank you very much, and may her memory serve as an eternal source of blessing and inspiration to you and the whole family and all of our people in good health, abundance, and prosperity, and all the blessings. Thank you. So here is a Jewish trivia. Jewish trivia. What's the first recorded word in the Torah? The first recorded word ever that was said by the first Jewish father in history to the first Jewish child in history? What's the first word that is recorded in Torah, in Hashem's blueprint for life, the first word that was ever uttered and is recorded from the first Jewish father to the first Jewish child. Anybody knows? Okay, so today you'll discover it. <laughs> and I opened the class this way because if this is the first word that is uttered by the first Jewish parent, first Jewish father, ever, to the first Jewish child ever. Doesn't mean they haven't had conversations before. I'm sh- uh, very good. <laughs> Sneak preview. It doesn't mean they didn't have conversations before. I'm sure they had many conversations before. But none of them are recorded. There's one conversation recorded, and there's one word, an opening word, the father tells the child. That word obviously contains the opening of the dialogue between parents and children since. And that's why it's significant. Because if I have to ask you, how do you open up? What's the first word? It's like, what sets the tone? What begins the journey? What creates the the vision, the destiny, the trajectory? It's this word. What is that word? It's not just the first word that is recorded. It's the first conversation, and actually the last conversation, ever recorded in Chumash between the first Jewish father and the first Jewish child. And it's really very strange because you would think that they had many conversations, and I'm sure they did. But for some reason the Torah does not choose to record any of their any of their dialogues or conversations or exchange. Only one single conversation. And it's the first and the last one recorded in Chumash between I'm talking about Avram Avinu, the first Jew, and the first person who was born as a Jew. Avram wasn't born as a Jew. First person who was born as a Jew was Yitzchak. 
I want to study that conversation with you today, Be'ezer Hashem, because in addition to the fact that it's a difficult conversation to understand, especially its placement and its context, it's also the first and last, and therefore it contains, obviously, profound layers of meaning and depth. So let's see. This is the story that many read every single morning before davening, known as the story of the Akedah, and it's the seventh Aliyah of Parshas Vayera. It's chapter 22 of Bereshus. And the story is, of course, ingrained in Jewish history, in Jewish consciousness, in all of the Jewish tefillahs, in all of the prayers. But whenever you read the story, literally every year you can reveal yet another layer and another layer. So it begins with the words, Vahi Acher Advarim Eila, after these events, Hashem tests or uplifts Avram. He says, Avram. And Avram responds with one word, Hineni, which means, here I am. I'm present. I'm here. Rashi says that this is the response of the Hasidim, of the pious ones, Lashen Anava, Velashen Zimun. It's a form of complete readiness, dedication, commitment, with absolute humility. Hineni, I'm here, ich bin da, I'm present. And what does Hashem say to him? He says the famous words, Vayoymer, Kachnas bincha, sichidcha, shrafta, sitzak, v'lechelcha, etza maria, v'aleyu shamloy l'achad harim Please take your son, your only son, the one you love, Yitzchak, and go to you, to the land of Maria, and elevate him there as an oil offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you which mountain. Now I'm not telling you which mountain. And the story continues, Avram wakes up in the morning, he saddles his donkey, he takes two lads, two of his lads with him, two of his assistants, Torah doesn't identify their names, Chazal say it was Shmuel and Eliezer, and he takes Yitzchak, of course, he also takes lumber, and he starts the journey to that place, which is still a mysterious place, because he said, the mountain which I will tell you about. The third day, he lifts up his eyes and he sees the place. He knows this is the place, but it's still, yet there's still a distance, and he tells his lads, you wait here with the donkey. Yitzchak and I are going to go to that place, we're going to prostrate ourselves, and we're going to return to you. Which, of course... The Chazal, always sensitive to nuance, realized what does it mean we, we are going to return to you? Didn't Hashem tell you to elevate him as an offering? What does it mean? Rashi says on the words, V'nashuva Aleichem, he says, Nisnabe. This was a form of a prophecy that they're both going to come back. So even though Hashem said elevate him as an offering, but he says we're both going to come back. It was just interesting. What happens now? Avram takes the wood, he places it on Yitzchak, so now Yitzchak is carrying the wood on his shoulders or on his back. In his own hands, he takes the fire, whatever he would use to ignite the fire. He takes the sword, the knife. That's how Pasuk Vav ends. They're walking together. is a very interesting expression. You don't have it throughout the Chumash. Besides in this story, three times in the story. Now, here is the rule in Chumash and Tanakh. Whenever a phrase is repeated again and again and again in a story, obviously, it's to focus in on that phrase. 
It's like, tune into these words. These are like what you would call today key words. They're essential words to the narrative. Vayel Chushneim Yachtov would be repeated three times in this story. Now, obviously, when two people are walking, they're walking together. <laughs> I mean, if I'm walking with somebody else, my child or anybody else, we're walking together. It says they were going together. And he already left his the two lads behind. So it's Avram and Yitzchak. So obviously, it's not telling us just about a physical state that they happen to be walking together. It's not that one is three miles ahead of the other one and he's trying to catch up. But rather, they're walking together is an expression of an intimate of an intimate connection. Two people could be physically walking in close proximity, but are they walking together? Rashi picks up on this and says, Yachtov doesn't just mean Yachtov, they happen to be walking near each other. Yachtov means there was a, a, a connection internally. We all know we could be sitting together with somebody, or we could be walking together with somebody, but our hearts are drifted apart. One person's heart could be in one space, and the other person's heart could be in another space. Here, they're actually walking together. There's a sense of togetherness. And Rashi says, why does the Torah have to say it? Because it's shocking. And the reason it's shocking is, Avram knows where he's going. Avram is going to elevate his son as an offering. Yitzchak, at this point, is unaware of anything. They're still walking together. Okay. The story continues. And here is where something unusual happens. And you would think that it's not really, it's not really essential to the story. In other words, even without the next two verses, the story would still have the same beginning, the same ending, the same impact, the same test. But here is the conversation. Yitzchak says to Avram, his father, I want you to hear these verses and think, Forgive if I say it this way. If you would be writing it, how would you write it differently or not? And Yitzchak says to Avram, his father. Anything strange at the moment before we go further? What's superfluous here? Aviv. If at this point you don't know that Avram was Yitzchak's father, then you have been sleeping through 10 years of school. What do you mean? I know Avram is Yitzchak's father. Avram has been begging for a child his whole life. At 99, his wife, Sarah, finally gave birth. At, when Avram was 99, Avram gave birth to a child. Sarah gave birth to a child. There's the whole story about the celebration, the promise, the doubt, the ambivalence, the fear, Avram's concerns. And finally, the grand birth of Yitzchak. I know Avram is Yitzchak's father. Either you can say, Vayoyme Yitzchak al Avram, we know who Avram is at this point. We have had a whole parsha lechlicha about him, a whole parsha vayeda about him, the end of Noyach about him. We know Avram is, we know who Yitzchak is. No, Avram Aviv, Avram is father. Okay, so Yitzchak says to Avram, his father, Vayoymer, and he says, Avi, my father. Anything strange here? You just said Vayoymer, tell me what he said. Why is there a second Vayoymer? And Yitzchak said to Avram, his father, what did he say? Tell me. He said, good morning. He said, Tati. He said, how are you? What do you think about the weather? Right? Who's going to win the elections? I don't know. what he, Whatever he said. So tell me what he said. No. And he said. You already said, finish the sentence. If you would read such a sentence and you would have to correct such an article or book report, what would you say? Sorry, Chayala, take out the second he said. It's not good. It's not how you write English. It's not how you write Hebrew. 
If he, what he said was my father, just say, Avi. No, and he said, I know that he's talking. It's the middle of a sentence. He's in the middle of talking. There's a second Vayoymer. What does he say? So now what does he say? He says one word. Avi, my father. Now, what is that about? You probably want to tell him something, don't you? So, my father, you know, I'm hungry. <laughs> my father, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Kati, uh, where are we going? Uh, what's all this about? What's this new adventure? No, that's all he says. My father, that's all. Is that all he wanted to say, my father? Okay, Vayoymer Avi. Vayoymer! Third Vayoymer. <laughs> what does Avram answer? He says two words. Hineni Vini. I am here, my son. That's his answer. Vayoymer! A new Vayoymer! This is already the fourth Vayoymer in one Pasuk. Often in the English translations, you miss this because they try to make it grammatically. Uh, pleasant, so they sometimes delete the repetitions because it's hard to read, it's awkward to read, and he said, and he said, and he said, and he said. So it depends who translated, there's a lot of types of translations, but when you read the Hebrew sometimes you get the impact that you can't get in the translation. That's why translations, as good as they are, they're never good. Not because they're not good, they're good, but by definition they're, I shouldn't say not good, inaccurate. They can't be, huh? Lost in translation, yes, yes. So what happens here is we have already a fourth Vayoymer in one short verse. Wow, there's a lot going on here. And he said, and he said, and he said, and he said. So finally he says, Here's the fire. Here are the wood. Here's the lumber. Where is the lamb for the elevated offering? That's the question. So we come to a fifth Vayoymer. Lo and behold, Vayoymer Avraham. Avraham answers. He says, Elikim yireloi hasel Hashem will provide the lamb for the oila, my son. And of course, Vayel chushnehem yachdov. For the second time, they're walking together. The next scene, Pasuk Tesses, they arrive. They come to the place. Avram builds an altar, he prepares the lumber, he ties Yitzchak and places him on the altar above the lumber, he sends forth his hand with the knife to slaughter his son, and at that moment an angel calls out from heaven and says, Avram, Avram, twice, this is Pasuk Yidalev, Vayoymer Hineni. This is the third time Hineni is said in this story. There were three Hinenis. There was the Hineni in the beginning. Hashem said, Avraham, and he said, Hineni. That was the first Hineni. I'm here. There's the second Hineni. What's the second Hineni? When Yitzchak said, my father, what does Avraham say? Hineni vini. I'm here. The third time, the angel calls out to him and says, Avraham, Avraham, and he says, Hineni. I'm here. And the Malach says, Al tishlach yodchalanar. Do not lay a finger on this lad. Do not touch him. Don't do anything. I know that you're a lekimata. Now I know that you have true awe of God. You did not uh, hold back. Is that the word? You did not uh, withhold. Thank you. Withhold 
your one and only, your, your only child for me. Avram picks up his eyes, he sees the ram, he offers the ram in lieu of his, of his son. And then there's a second call from the heaven, and that's where Avram Avinu is blessed with abundant blessings because of this moment. And then the story ends. It's a story that includes 19, it's made up of 19 psukim, 19 verses. From the beginning till the end. And Pasuk Yutet ends, Vayashav Avram al Na'arav, Avram returns back to the two lads who were waiting, Vayakumu Vayelchu Yachdov el Be'er Shava. Again, they walk together back to the city of Be'er Shava, Vayashav, Vayeshav Avram Be'er Shava, and Avram dwells, he lives in Be'er Shava. That's why I started the class. What was the first word uttered by the first Jewish father to the first Jewish child recorded in Torah? Hineni. The first words of Yitzchak to his father are Avi, my father, and the response is Hineni. If this is the first word, and this is the first and only conversation between father and son, first Jewish father ever, first Jewish child ever, we can naturally assume that there is a lot in this conversation. From a technical point of view, it would seem that the conversation is a very technical conversation. It's almost like the story could have been complete without it. Right? They were walking to the Akedah, they came to the Akedah, Yitzchak Avram did what he did. It's not like in the conversation there's some drama, like an explosion, almost like Yitzchak says, not happening. <laughs> not, they get into a debate or an argument, or Avram does want to, doesn't want to, Yitzchak... Apparently nothing of that happens. It's a very, it's almost like, is, was that the conversation? What were the emotions behind the conversation? You have to figure that out. Torah doesn't say. It's all like Yitzchak says to Avram, his father, my father, he says, I'm here. He says, we have the, we have the wood, we have the fire, where's the lamb? He says, Hashem is going to provide the lamb for an oil of and they, they walk together. What's, what's in this conversation? How are we to understand it? At least one dimension of it. In the Torah, <coughs> when you study the text of Torah, you see that there's often text on the right, text on the left, and then text in the middle, and you have to again zoom into the middle. There's five ayoimers in these two psukim. So you have two on one side, two on the other side, and then you have the middle one. What's the middle one? You have vayoimer Yitzchak Lavram Aviv, vayoimer Avi, then at the end, you have Vayoymer Hineesh Reitzim Vayasalayla, Vayoymer Avram Alakim Yira. What's the middle Vayoymer? Vayoymer Hineni Vini. He said, I am here, my son. That's the middle Vayoymer. So the text invites you to tune in to that Vayoymer. And he said, Hineni Vini. And this is one of three Hinenis. In the whole Chumash, you only have nine times the word Hineni. Eight of them are in Bereshus, Sefer Bereshus. One of them in Shmois. The one in Shmois is very famous. Hashem calls out from the burning bush, Moshe, Moshe, Vayoymer, Hineni. But you have Hineni with Esav and Yitzchak. You have Hineni with Yaakov Avinu. You have a few Hinenis. Yaakov summons Yosef to send him to Shechem, and Yosef says, Hineni, eight Hinenis in Bereshus. Three of them are in this story. There's another very few in Tanakh, Shmuel, also answers Hineni. But here the Hineni is interesting because they're completely different directions. The first Hineni is to Hashem. Hashem calls out and says, Avram, Vayoymer Hineni. The second Hineni is to whom? It's to Yitzchak. It says, my father, Hineni. And he even adds the word, my son. 
And here again, the word Bani is superfluous. We know that Yitzchak is your son, Avram Avinu. If we even doubted the Pasuk made sure to say that you were his father, Avram Aviv, if you're his father, probably he's your son. Doesn't that make sense? Usually works that way. I don't know. Maybe it's different today. But usually, if somebody is somebody's father, the other one is his son. Hineni, I'm here. I got it. Hineni. Hineni the knee. I am here, my son. There's something happening in this conversation. And of course, afterwards, is a Vayel Chushnehem Yachtav. A second time. Avram Avinu's answer to Yitzchak is also very ambiguous. Yitzchak said, where is the lamb? So what would, if Avram wants to tell him the truth, what should he say? You, right? He doesn't say that. He says, Elohim, God, will, will designate the lamb, la'oyla b'ni. Now look at the ambiguity of that sentence. I could translate it in completely two opposite ways. One is, where do you put the comma? Do you put the comma after the word la'oyla? This is Pasuk Ches. Do you put the comma after the word la'oyla? Do you put the comma after the word hase? In a Sefer Torah, there's no commas. So it's complicated. It's not clear. So let's read it both ways. First, I'm going to put the comma after hase. Sorry, first I'm going to put the comma after la'oyla. Elikim yireloi hase la'oyla, comma, b'ni. Hashem will choose... The lamb for an offering, my son. So my son is just finishing the sentence. I'm talking to you, my son. It's like God will provide whatever he has to provide with, my dear son. You're not the lamb. I don't know. You're asking a good question. Where is the lamb? I'm just, I'm a messenger. I I didn't come up with this plan. He'll find the lamb. He'll give me the lamb. Or he's saying something else. You're the lamb. In other words, the comma is after haseh. Eleikim yireloi haseh la'oyla b'ni. Or elekim yireloi kama haseh la'oyla b'ni. My son is the oyla. He doesn't say you. He says, my son is the oyla. What ambiguity. And then vayelchu shneim yachtov. And Rashi says, what's the vayelchu shneim yachtov? You already told me they were walking together. And Rashi says... Now Yitzchak finally picks up on what's happening. Because if you interpret it the other way, the second way, it means I'm the lamb. So you would think at this point their hearts might drift. Rashi says, believe Shava. Their hearts are still in one space. Their hearts are identical. Meaning there's a, there's a, you know, when it's almost, it's such a beautiful description, Belev Shava, because just like you have two people standing near each other emotionally, Belev Shava means my heart is being mirrored in the other person's heart, and the other person's heart is being mirrored. There's like this frequency of this transmission of energy from heart to heart. Kamayim aponim laponim kein levels, like a mirror. The Pesach says in Mishle, right? The face we show the water is the face the water shows back to us. The heart I show a human being is the heart that the human being reflects back to me. So believe Shavah, it's like the hearts are, are, are mirroring each other at this point. And then there's the Vayel Choyachtov at the end of the story. When you look at the opening of the story, the first Pasuk, the second Pasuk, Pasuk Beis, Hashem speaks to Avram and He says, Kachna es bincha es asher ahafta. What's the asher ahafta all about? Take your son, your only son, by the way, the guy you love, <laughs> the one you love, 
and offer him. Does Avram know that he loves his child? I'm sure he knows he loves it, especially this boy who he waited for only 99 years and his wife waited for her for him 90 years. What is Hashem telling him? The boy that you love. I know that I love this boy. It's almost, if I would want to look at it from a cynical point of view, you know, it's adding salt onto a wound. It's like, not the boy you hate, boy you, okay, I got, I know who Yitzchak is, I know that I like him. Not just like him, love him. And by the way, another trivia for today, what's the first time the word love is used in Chumash? Anybody knows? First time the word, the expression of Ahava. Here, <laughs> it's the first time. You don't have it anywhere before in Chumash. It's also something very unusual. I'm sure Adam loved Chava. It was a match made in heaven. Quite literally. They didn't need a Shatchan. Nor did he have anybody else. Nor did she have anybody else. So if they wanted a future, this was it. But it was certainly a match made in heaven. Adam was very excited. It says clearly excited he was. It says finally somebody <laughs> I can relate to. My type. <laughs> literally we have once been one. Noyach had a wife, they were saved together in the Teva, they must have bonded in that ark for a year, there was nothing else to do, he wasn't whatsapping, you know. During the flood, apparently the internet was down a whole year, don't you think so? So then the poor guy couldn't be on a computer, nothing, he had to talk to his wife and feed the animals together with her. Avraham certainly loved Sarah at her death, he eulogizes her, he weeps, but the word Ahava is not used. It's going to be used only later between Yitzchak and Rivka. But that's going to be the second time. Of course, later it will be used between Yaakov and Rachel. But the first time it's used is between Avram and Yitzchak. And not even in the experience. It's Hashem talking about it. It doesn't say Avram loved Yitzchak. It says Hashem told Avram, take the child whom you love and offer him. This is the first time this expression of Ahava, love, is ever used in history, in Chumash, between Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu. If there are five Vayoymers, and the middle one is Hineni Vini, obviously, that's what we want to zoom into. But that's an answer to a question. Or at least a response to a previous statement. What was the previous statement? My father. Vayoymer Avi. It's in this conversation where a major component of the story plays itself out. It's this conversation that really captures some of the infinite depth and drama and challenge and mystery and incredible quality and mysterious quality, all in one, of this story. A story that when you think about it and you reflect on it, still continues to stimulate minds and trigger as many questions as it does answers. So let's go deeper into that conversation between Yitzchak and Avram Avinu. And I just want to say that I want to give a special gratitude to Rabbi David, David Foreman, my senior colleague from Aleph Beta, who gave a beautiful, beautiful shear on this, from which I'm culling some of the thoughts and adding some other points. But I do want to give, behooves me to give that uh, special credit to Rabbi Foreman for this and so many other amazing classes. So let's go back to those Vayoymers for a moment and see what we can discover here. If you could look at Pasuk Zion again, again, that's chapter 22, verse 7. 
page 58 in the blue Chumashim, these Chumashim, page 58, and I asked you a question, why does it say two Vayoymers? And then you can have another two Vayoymers. Something is off. It's almost like the first conversation was interrupted. Yitzchak is about to say something to his father. He doesn't say that. It's like literally the Torah is starting a conversation, and then, okay, you know what? We're not going there at the moment. <laughs> We're going to do a new conversation. Wow. Now, we all know with ADDs, right? What's the acronym of ADHD? Attention Deficit. Hey, Donuts. We all know the experience. Okay, you got that. Good. <laughs> That's a joke for ADHDs. So we all, we all know the experience. I start saying something, right? And then I'm like, either I lose my train of mind or, or I'm not in the mood of saying it or I'm afraid of the concept. Whatever, there's so many reasons that people, right? And the person says, no, 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 no. But even if yes, I don't have to put it in <laughs> and write it down and record it. The Torah obviously wants you to know something happened there. Yitzchak was about to say something to Avram, and I also have to know that it was his father. Not because I don't know that he's his father, because now you have to think about the fact that Avram is his father. If not, you will not understand the story. Vayoymer Yitzchak Avram Aviv. Vayoymer. Why is there a second Vayoymer? Right? Something happens here. Rashi asks this question in the Akedah, in the, in the Megillus Esther. When Esther confronts Achashverosh about what Haman wants to do, so Vayoymer Achashverosh, Achashverosh says, and he says, "Who in there? Who has the audacity to do it?" Why say Vayoymer twice? Here he doesn't ask the question. Here sometimes, in the, here you have to see in these words what is happening. So Yitzchak wants to talk to Avram, his father, Vayoymer, and then he says, "I'm just going to say one word, Avi, my father." What is he saying, my father? Now, I understand that when a child wants to say something to his father or her father or mother, we often say, Tati, just to get their attention. Mommy, especially if Tati is doing something else, does that ever happen? If Tati may be occupied with something, Tati, sometimes you got to say Tati twice, sometimes three times, sometimes more, but that's not the conversation. The conversation is whatever I want to say. Tati, I need money. Okay, I got it. <laughs> the Tati is just as an intro. That's his name. I could call my brother Yankee or Chaim or Matul. And now Tati is Tati. But here, there's nothing else to the conversation. That's the end of the conversation. Avi, that's it. What's the message? Are you trying to tell me something? So most people will say, it's an intro. I want to ask a question. Where is the lamb? Okay, so why does the Torah have to put in this introduction? Wouldn't it have been perfect if it said, Vayoymer Yitzchak Avram Aviv, you want to say Aviv, Zolzayin Aviv, Hinei Ha'eshva Eitzim Va'ayi Hasela Oila. That's not happening. Yitzchak said to Avram, his father, I don't know what he wanted to say, now he said something new. Avi, my father, I'm done. My father, that's it. What does Avram say? Hineini. He hears Hineini, now he asks his question. Do you see where we're getting at? That's exactly what Yitzchak is saying. Avi, my father. You're my father. Are you my father? Of course. It says, You know you're my father. And all he is doing is bringing out that reality to the fore. Avi, as we would say in Yiddish, 
my tata, my father. What is Yitzchak saying? What is the Torah trying to tell us that Yitzchak is saying? If you were Avram Avinu, if I was Avram Avinu, and I'm doing what Avram Avinu is doing now, taking my son to fulfill the commandment of Hashem, to offer him as a burnt offering. What are the last words I want to hear? <laughs> Tati. Right? Those are the last words I want to hear. Tata. My father. It's hard to hear those words now. However one wants to explain the justification of Avram Avinu, when Avram Avinu hears these words, Avi, wow, my father, you're my father. What's the job of a father? What would we, what would anybody say? What is the main role of a father? To protect his children. That's the role of a father. Lahavdil in the animal kingdom, right? If you go to a lion's, lion's territory, the lion is hunts. You know, they're preparing all the Shabbos meals and doing an amazing job. Father has one job. You protect the territory. <laughs> protect, and you have to fight. If other lions come to intrude, you fight. It's embedded in the genes of the animal kingdom, mother and father, especially father. Father is here to protect the child. In this case, the father was told to go offer the child as an offering. That's extremely, extremely emotionally difficult to hear. Now, you can ask a big question. It's not our topic today, but I'm going to touch on it. This is the question everybody asks. If Hashem summoned me and said, go take your child and kill it. Right? Why didn't Avram argue? Hashem says, I'm destroying Zdaim. He's like, no way, no way. Those guys... He fights for Zdaim. Even if there's 10 Sadikim, he's literally arguing with Hashem. He's like, how could you do something so unjust? That's, that takes a lot of chutzpah. But that's what he does. In the same parsha. Literally in the same parsha. Light, who left them and abandoned them, and he was abducted by the king, Kedar Oimam Rafal and Avram goes and wages a war to rescue his nephew who has left him and abandoned him, and gave him quite a few tsaris. And here, Hashem says, take your son, offer him. He wakes up in the morning, boom. And obviously the Chumash doesn't see a problem with Avram doing it. You know, some people today, they read the Chumash and saying, oh, yeah, the Chumash, it's not a good thing. Not in the Chumash, that's a ridiculous interpretation. Chumash, Avram is blessed for it, and he's embraced for it. It's not even a doubt in his mind. He's the man who preached love and generosity. In the beginning of Ayeri, he's the one who after circumcision welcomes three Bedouin Arabs and stands there and feeds them. He's the paradigm, the archetype of love and generosity in his own child. But obviously, Avram felt deep down and it wasn't a question by him. And the Torah shows that it wasn't a question by him. Until today we mention we mention this act of Avram Avinu as the schus of the Akedah almost, every, every, not almost, every single day in our prayers, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and throughout the whole year, the Akedah of Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac remains 
one of the eternal greatest merits of the Jewish people, beginning with Avram Avinu. So, just to address this literally in 35 seconds, because I want to stay on our topic, because this is a whole series of lectures independently. But it really addresses a much bigger question, of course, which is, we abhor murderers. Murder is, 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 is the worst crime when somebody takes the life of another person. When we think about it, who takes the most lives of the most people on a daily basis? Anybody wants to answer? We know who. How do we deal with that? Do we call it murder? We don't call it murder. Why not? Why not? It's a good question. But I think, even if it's hard to articulate, one of the basic answers for this is, and it's an important answer, it's not really an answer, it's just a perspective. How do we deal with it? And the answer to that is, not very, really not a good example, but it's the best example I can come up with. And that is, you know, if I have a house, I have a house, I own a house, say, in Yerushalayim, I own a house in uh, southern France, or I own a house in Switzerland, in the Alps, in St. Moritz, or I own a house uh, in Muncie, <laughs> or in Borough Park, or wherever I own a house. Okay. And uh, I offer this house to you. And I say, you know, you could live in my house for a hundred years for free, for free. And by the way, the house is stocked. It's going to get stocked up with food every single day. I'll take care of all the bills, electricity, AC. There's also a swimming pool, which I'm going to heat every single day. How much is rent? Free, free, free. It's yours, yours. But after a hundred years, you have to give it back to me. It's my house. Right? So after you're living in this house a hundred years, and I take back the house, are you going to say, wow, this guy is a criminal, a ganav, a gazlin, a terrorist? You're not going to say that. Why not? <laughs> Why not? The answer is, I gave you the house on condition. It's my house. I wasn't obligated to give the house to anybody. I gave it to you. You used it. You say, thank you. I can't believe you did this for me. You're amazing. When you talk about life, where does life come from? Who does life belong to? Who does it belong to? <laughs> There's nothing about life that doesn't come from one source. We couldn't live for a moment. <laughs> Every aspect of life, literally, is a constant gift from the creator of life. And there comes a time Hashem says, I'm giving you my, I'm giving you my soul, I'm giving you my body, Allah, a mother, develops a child, but how can a mother create a child together with a father? Who made a system that a seed of life should meet an egg and develop and be conceived and develop into an embryo and after nine months into a fetus, into a living organism? There's every element of life system is an absolutely supernatural miracle every single moment. From the oxygen I'm inhaling at this very moment to the fact that there is food that happens to work for my living organism, to literally every other detail of the 80 trillion cells that live in my body in perfect harmony, and the 100 billion neurons, and the millions of decisions my brain has to make every millisecond to ensure my survival, every one of these elements doesn't happen because I own it and I create it or anybody else. Hashem gives me a soul and He gives me a body, He says it's mine, I'm giving it to you. 
You don't have to pay, you have to pay for electricity. You have to pay for electricity, but you don't have to pay for your soul, you don't have to pay for your, for your body. It's your world, enjoy it. And then there comes the time where the soul is going back. I'm taking back the soul. So all of life is a gift, completely. Rabbi Foreman gave a metaphor, if there's a camp that doesn't have a pool, you can't have a camp without a pool, right? I mean, you could, but the camp needs a pool. So there's a lifeguard. The lifeguard happens to own a private pool. And he comes to the camp and he says, you know, the kids can use my private pool eight hours a day. It's fine. I'm going to be the lifeguard too. I'll make sure everybody is safe. But here's the deal. When I blow the whistle once, everybody can go into the pool. After eight hours, I blow the whistle twice, and you leave the pool. Now, everybody's playing in the pool, they're having the time of their life, he blows the whistle twice. Is any child going to say, you know, you're a lowlife. You're a despicable, narcissistic, selfish human being. Nobody in their right mind will do it. You'll say, wow, thank you so much. I'm coming back tomorrow for eight hours. We're thankful. It's not my pool. I don't own it. And the lifeguard owns it. He voluntarily gave me his pool. Now, that's only a pool to swim in. What about life itself? So the way Avram Avinu understands this story is, especially with Yitzchak, Yitzchak couldn't have been born naturally. Every child is a miracle. Even if a child is born when the mother is 23, Yitzchak was born literally a miracle on every level. So the whole Yitzchak, even in a, in, in, relative to the rest of humanity, was a gift. So Hashem tells Avram Avinu, it's now time for me to take back this gift. It's time for me to take back the soul. I'm asking you to do it for me. What I would like to do now, for whatever my reason is, I'm asking you to do it for me. Avram Avinu goes ahead and does it. Avram, he doesn't do it, he's about to do it. Avram Avinu embraces that, he accepts that. If Hashem has the real right to take somebody's life, and that's a good question, does he have the right to take somebody's life? Well, somebody could say, oh, you're not allowed to. Well, <laughs> he, also made the, he also gave the gift of life. He gave the gift of birth. I don't understand the mystery of death, but do I understand the mystery of birth? I don't know why a soul leaves when it leaves, but do I know why a soul comes when it comes? It's beyond me. It's beyond us. The mysteries of life. But now that Avram Avinu felt this is the right thing to do, in other words... This is what Hashem wants. But I'm a father. The last thing I want to hear at this moment is, you're my father. If you're Avram Avinu and you're walking towards that mountain, what are you thinking about? I don't know. (laughs) You're thinking about Hashem. You're thinking about a lot, a lot of stuff. Probably the last thing I want to think about is that a father's job is to protect his child, from all harm. And yet, the Torah brings this conversation precisely here. Yitzchak says to Avram, his father, I knew Avram is his father, but I want everybody to know that Avram is his father. Not because you forgot, because this is the most important information in this story. Avram is his father. And now, Yitzchak interrupts any other conversation. And he says one word, Avi, my father. You're my father. If you are Yitzchak's father, or mother, let me talk about mother for a moment, 
You're Yitzchak's father or mother, and you hear those words. I hear those words. What do I want to do? I probably want to run down from the mountain. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm out of here. Even if I don't run away physically, don't I have to run away emotionally? How can I remain present emotionally? I'm your father. You're my child. We know what a father does for a child. We know how long I waited for this child. We know how much I looked forward to this child. And now I have this child. Even if I'm not running away physically, I'm a servant of Hashem. And this is what Hashem wants, even if I don't understand why I have to give back the pool, why I have to give back the home. And in this case, it's not a pool, it's not a home. It's a soul, it's a life, it's my child. But emotionally, those words, my father, are too difficult. They're too excruciatingly painful. I'll talk about anything. But let's not talk about the father-son relationship at this moment. Now, what is going to happen in this conversation when he says, my father? Avram Avinu knows where he's going. What's going to happen in this conversation? What's going to happen in this conversation, of course, is Yitzchak is going to find out. So imagine, what is Yitzchak thinking when he says, Avi? I don't know what he's thinking, but all I know is he's tuning into his father. And he wants to hear, my father, you're my father. And in this conversation, he's going to find out that his father is taking him as an offering. So what does he say? So what does Hashem, what does Avram say? And by the way, the word weir is the lamb, is aye. I don't know if you know, in Hebrew there's two words for weir. Eifei and aye. Eifei is geography, location. Like in modern Hebrew. Aye is something else. Aye is existential. Where did you disappear to? Why can't I see God? Where did this lamb disappear to? It's like he's asking a very... Where's the lamb? What happened to this lamb? Something is missing here in the equation. What am I feeling, Tati? What is going on? This is not a regular carbon that we're doing. Or in other words, Tati, I'm having a hunch. Am I the lamb? Am I the offering? What happens? Avram Avinu answers him. What is he saying really? He says God is going to provide a lamb. They walk together afterwards. So Rashi says, Let's understand. What is Rashi telling us? What Rashi is telling us is that the same kinship they had before, they still have now. The same connection they had before, father and son, they still have now after the story. What happened? How, how does that happen? How is that maintained? So let's think about the answer. The answer is ambiguous, right? He didn't say, you're the lamb. He said, Hashem is going to provide the lamb for an offering, my son, which could mean... Hashem will provide the lamb, or you're the lamb. What's the ambiguity? Perhaps the ambiguity is Avram Avinu's very ambiguity. Yitzchak wants clarity. Yitzchak wants to know, Tata, what's the strategy? What's the plan? What's the plan? Where's the lamb? I just want to get this straight. You know, I'm an organized person. Let's figure out what's happening here. 
The truth is, does Avram really know what's going to happen on top of the mountain? Remember, this whole story doesn't make sense. Let's remember. Who told Avram Avinu for almost a hundred years that he's going to have a child? And he's going to become the father of an amazing nation. And the whole world is going to be blessed. And they're going to be given this land. Who's the one who told that to him? Hashem. Who's the one who told him, I don't want Eliezer to inherit me. I want a child. And I want Yishmael to stay home because he's my ear. And Hashem said, no. Yitzchak is the father of the Jewish people. The same God before this. So one second. When Hashem told Avram Avinu, take your son as an offering. What should Avram say? What should he say? Huh? He should go like this. Uh, uh, God. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. You, a hundred years I waited. You, I said Yishmael. I was happy with Yishmael. You told me to listen to Sarah. Throw Yishmael out because Yitzchak is the kid. He's the boy. He's the man. He will be the man. Granted. I don't understand. And here's the next question. You know, I'm going to kill Yitzchak up there, Right? Great, what am I doing? So when I die, what happens? What happens to monotheism? What happens to Muna? I change the world. What happens when I die? Yishmael went his own way. So what happens? It's all over. It's all over. So what, you want to destroy yourself? <laughs> Good questions, right? Another question, Hashem. I'm going to come back from the mountain. And they're going to say, they're going to say, Hey, where's Yitzchak? Oh, I slaughtered him. What? You slaughtered him. The I and I doubt in, in the pagan pagan worship they slaughter children. Right? We know in the, the Torah says the Mailach and they, they slaughter children. We know with archaeological diggings today in the Middle East what they discovered about the ancient pagan form of worshipping and killing children to the idols, which the Tanakh discusses how abhorrent it is. Oh, Avramavinu, interesting, but you're preaching a hundred years against it. Why don't you just say the truth? Yitzchak doesn't like you when he ran away to New Zealand. No, Yitzchak loves me. I killed him. Why did you kill him? Hashem said, why didn't you call a press conference? At least let everybody be there so you could say, this is what I do for Hashem. Nobody would even believe you. Does this story make sense on every level? Avram didn't ask any of these questions. Why not? Why not? He's not asking heretical questions. Hashem, you told me he's going to father the nation. Do you change your mind? What happened? The mood changed? What happened? I became an evil person? I don't understand. He didn't do any of this. Why not? Okay, I want to, I want to take your words and elaborate for a moment. What was the first conversation Hashem has with Avram Avinu? Last week's parasha, the first conversation ever. How does it start? Lech lecha. What's the last conversation he has with Avram Avinu and how does it begin? We just read it. How does it begin? The lech lecha. The only two times in the whole Chumash it says lech lecha. The first conversation in the beginning of Ayer and the lech lecha. Wow. Lech lecha doesn't even make sense in Hebrew. Do you know that? You know what lech lecha means? Go to you. Is that how you tell somebody? Can you go to you to Manhattan? You don't go to you. If you're going to you, then it's not you. I already did my humor last week about you not being you, being you, not being you in the therapist's office. You don't go to you if you're you. 
unless you have a split personality and part of you lives in Sydney, Australia, part of you lives in London. There was a guy who came to the airport and he had three suitcases. He went, I want one suitcase to go to London, one to go to Melbourne, and one to go to Los Angeles. The woman said, sorry, we don't do it. He says, last time you did it without me asking. So I have three pieces, one in Sydney, one in London, one in Moscow, one in Tel Aviv. Women, lech lecha, go to you. You go with you, you go. If you're going to you, then you're not going. You don't say lech lecha, you say lech. Lech, telech. No, lech lecha. The first is lech lecha, now lecha. But look at something else. How did that start off? Lech lecha me'artzecha, me'ladlecha me'besavicha. Superfluous, apparently. Go from your land, from your birthplace, from your father's home. As I mentioned last week, if you left your country, you left your birth city. If you left your birth city, you left your parents' home. I don't have to tell you. Leave the United States of America. Leave New York State and leave uh, Forche Road in Muncie, New York. If you're leaving the United States, you're leaving New York, you're leaving Muncie, you're leaving Forche. Apparently superfluous things. And then what's the last thing? El Ha'aretz HaSha'areka. To the land that I will show you. Why don't you tell me where? You told me from where to go. Tell me where to go. That was the theme of last week's class. Now look at this commandment. Listen. You hear? You see the similarity? Leave your land, leave your birthplace, leave your father's home. Take your son. Oh, you don't know which one? Okay. Your only son. Oh, you don't know which one? The guy you love. Oh, you don't know which one? Yitzchak. Thank you. I'm not telling you where. Go back to Lech Lecha. Leave all these places. I will show you. You see how the two mirror each other? And they both begin with the words, Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha, Lech Lech Lecha, Lech Lecha, Lech Lecha, Lech Lecha. When Hashem told Avram Avinu, go to the land that I will show you, he didn't tell him which land. So we explained last week, Svasemis explains, that is where he was telling him to go. He was telling him to go to a destination that I can't identify. And Avram understood that that's the essence of the journey. Now he's talking to Yitzchak. He knows that this whole thing is beyond rational sense. Hashem promised him that a great nation will be born through Yitzchak. But now he tells me to take my son and offer him as a burnt offering on top of the mountain. None of this makes sense if I want to think about it rationally. There's paradoxes all along. So when Yitzchak asks Avram Avinu, what's happening? What happened to the lamb? His answer is very ambiguous. Somehow Hashem has a plan here. I don't know exactly what the top of this mountain looks like and what's going to happen on the top of the mountain. Similarly to the land that I went to. I didn't know where I'm going to. I don't know where I'm going to. I don't know how this is going to turn out. You'll say, how can Hashem contradict himself? He's MS. If I kill you, you can't be a father. You can't be dead and alive at the same time. I don't know. I don't know. But one thing I do know, and here is the greatness of Avram and Yitzchak at this moment. One thing I do know, I know that Hashem has a job and I know that I have a job. God has a tafkid, I have a tafkid. Hashem is going to figure out what's going to happen on top of the mountain. Eloikim yir Eloi hasa la'oi He will figure out what's going to happen. 
That's his job. He'll figure out what's going to happen. I don't know what that lamb is going to look like. Maybe it's you. It sure sounded like it's you. Maybe there's something else. I don't know. Remember, this whole thing is not something I can wrap my brain around. I'm trying to make sense of the story. You got the wrong person, Yitzchak. I don't know. It's not my job. This is Hashem's job to figure out. Let me tell you but about a different job. I have my job. This job is up to me. What's up to me at this moment? What's my job at this moment? And here we come to the middle Vayoymer. Remember I talk, spoke to you about five Vayoymers. Two on the right, two on the left. The middle Vayoymer is Vayoymer Hineni Vini. What is Hineni Vini? Here I am. And I add my son. Here I am, my son. Yitzchak said, my father. I said before, the last thing you want to deal with at this moment is meditate about what a father is supposed to look like. I can't. What should be the normal thing psychologically in such situations? It's called shut down. We know people who have shut down their emotions of love. Why? Not because they don't have love, but because of the pain that this love would bring with it. They had no choice but to disassociate their conscious selves from that love. There are people, some people who I know very personally, who have been so hurt as children. Their hearts may have been exploding with love, but that love cost them so much because love means connectivity. Love means I want you. Love means I believe in you. Love means I trust you. Love means I'm not alone. Love means I'm connected to you. And what if that connection was exploited to put a dagger in this child's emotional chest or physical chest? One of the most basic things a brain does, 101 for every brain is what do you think a child does to survive? I can't remain present emotionally because tomorrow when this dagger may come back into my chest, it's going to be too painful. So what do I do? I shut down. I shut down a part of my brain. I shut down a part of my feeling. I shut down a part of my heart. It goes into exile. It gets buried. I disassociate. I sometimes become disembodied. There are people who leave their bodies. I don't know if you know this. Not physically. They're alive. But their body is like a shell of a person. They're not present in their bodies. There's a reason for it. They couldn't. To be present in your body, to be integrated in life, is hard. There were people who went through terrible, terrible tragedies. They couldn't speak about love because they couldn't feel the love. Not because they didn't love. Their love was sometimes expressed in incredible ways. But that emotional flow, that embodiment is too intense. There's some things you just don't go... There's certain conversations you don't have, and that's how you survive. Avram Avinu may feel this is the right thing. This is the only right thing. I don't own the world. I'm not the author of the world. I'm a servant of Hashem. This is what He wants. I don't have to understand. But now when Yitzchak says, Avi, my father, he's almost bringing me back into the full emotional, vulnerable relationship between a tati and a child, a father and a child, a tato and a kind. 
Avram Avinu at this moment says two words. I know what my job is. Hineni b'ni. I am here. I am your father. I am your father right now, right here. I'm not just Hineni, I'm here. I'm not detached. Hineni b'ni. I am fully present to you as my child. My child, I'm here. I'm here for your questions. I'm here for your emotions. I'm here for everything. The word hineni is a very powerful term. Hineni doesn't mean, okay, tell me what you want. <laughs> Tati, yeah, what do you want? Tati, I'm in a rush. What do you need? Got to go to the show. <laughs> right? He said, Avi, my father. I don't know how often it happens that a child comes to a father and says, Tati, or my Tati, and Tati stops, looks into his eyes, and says two words. Hineni b'ni. Often it's like, what do you want? <laughs> you need something? It's not what Avram said. He didn't say, what do you want? He says, yeah, go ask, go ask. <laughs> you understand? He's not doing that. He's saying something else. Hineni b'ni. I am fully here. One second, Tata. He just said, Hineni Tashem. Hashem said, Vayomer, Avram, Avram, Vayomer, Hineni. Here's the second Hineni. Hineni v'ni. It's here where you perceive the unique, extraordinary greatness and vulnerability and attachment of Avram Avinu. That this very man who said, Hineni Tashem. Now when this child says, Avi. And now you have a choice to make. Either you say, Hineni to God, or you say, Hineni to your son. You can't say, Hineni to both. Hashem told you to kill your son. What type of father are you? Either run to Hashem and like, Hashem, 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 Hashem. I'm just a religious Jew. I don't deal with emotion, sorry. <laughs> and we know that some people have chosen that path. Or you're like the other way. You know, God, have a good day. <laughs> I'm just a father. It's huck. Let's go to Six Flags. Okay, we'll go for pizza. I know this was a hard day. I'm also traumatized. Pizza, sushi. I'm going to get you a treat. We're going to get some slush. We'll go to a park. Let's go. But this was a hard day. <laughs> Hineni. Avram doesn't do this. Avram doesn't run away. Not from Hashem. And not from his child. He says, Hineni to Hashem. And then he says, You are my son. I am your father. Right this moment, I am fully emotionally present as your father. Now ask your question. Who told this to Avram Avinu? Who gave him this, this perspective? Right when Hashem told him the mitzvah. Asher I know that you can go into a transcendental meditative trance. You can become an angel. And you're not a father anymore. You're a detached heavenly angel. There are malachim. Avram is another malach. He's a saint. Hashem wants. Serious nefesh. Kiddush Hashem. Take Yitzchak. Boom. That's not what he told him. Kachna es binches yechidcha asher hafta. That's maybe the hardest part of the story. Avram would have become detached. It's still difficult. 
the child that you love, the child that you love, that you're connected to, and that love is going to remain. That's the child. So when Avram Avinu says, at this very, very moment, he's capturing something so profound because Avram Avinu will not run away physically and not even emotionally. Now the question is, but what's happening on top of the mountain? Avram goes back to the first Lech Lecha, Ela Aretz Asha'areka. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand the whole journey. God has a job. I have a job. He'll have to figure out what happens. I know what my job is. My job is, I'm your father. I'm here for you. I told Hineini to Hashem. But for me, that doesn't mean I don't say Hineini to you. I say he named it to you because I'm fully, fully here. And when the Malach tells Avram, you know, don't slaughter your child. Avram, Avram, to the angel, he's going to say he named it again. Now I could say he named it to Hashem, he named it to an angel, we're going, I'm a serious nefesh, I'm sacrificing my son. But he says he named it to Yitzchak. Avram could have told Yitzchak, sorry, my allegiance is not to you, my allegiance is to Hashem, he's the creator of the world. Avram Avinu could have told Hashem, sorry, my allegiance is not to you. I'm a father, my allegiance is to Yitzchak. Avram lives here in a world of extraordinary tension and contradiction and paradox. He nani to Hashem. On top of the mountain, Hashem is going to figure out what he wants, what's supposed to happen. I know I'm here for you and it doesn't make sense for me to figure out the whole story of life, but all I know is I'm not going to run away emotionally. I'm going to be fully present in this paradox. But it's a full of paradox. I'm fine. I don't have to figure things out rationally, but I'm going to be here for both. Because both are true. Because Hashem told me something, and He's Hashem, and my son is my son, and He's my son. He's my child. But now something else happens. And here is where the story comes full circle. Hashem doesn't want him to slaughter Yitzchak. I mean, we know the end of the story, so I don't want to be a party pooper. But I think you also know the end of the story, right? You're all here, you're Jewish. Yitzchak stayed alive, Baruch Hashem. He had a son Yaakov, he had a son Esav. (laughs) It worked out. So like, okay, all is well, that ends well. They came down the mountain, shine. They went, they had, uh, they whatever, they said a l'chaim together and life moves on. But really there's something much deeper that happens in this paradox. Something new is born. A different type of love is born. This is not a story about surrendering love to the child because of love to God. We would think that's the story. Some things come before everything. Sorry, Yitzchak. I love you. I wanted you, but I'm not the boss. That's not the story. Some people think that's the story. That's not the story. If not, Hashem wouldn't have said, You don't have to put a knife in Tavram's heart. Take the kid you love and kill him. And this whole Avi, Hineni, it's all superfluous. This is a much, much deeper story. In Avram Avinu's presence towards the Rebbeinu Shalom and towards Yitzchak simultaneously. And he will not flinch 
What does it mean? Think about it emotionally. A father walking with a son, and you look at them and you say they're together. How often does that happen in 2022 when people are not tested in this way? They're going on vacation together. They're going to a hotel together. They're going to a restaurant together. They're going to work together. means you look at these two people and they're just together. They're together. It's like one, Rashi says it's one heart. It's like a big heart. Father completely feels the child. Child completely feels the father. Why? Because when he said Avi, father stopped everything and said, Hineni vini. I am yours. I am here. There's nothing else. I'm not lying. I'm here. Yitzchak says, wow, we could walk together. We are walking together. In that moment, a new love is born. A different type of love. You see, people don't realize this. They wonder. Anna Frank wrote this in her diary. Anna Frank was the girl who was discovered in, in, uh, in Amsterdam and Holland and sent to the death camps and murdered with her family. The diary of Anna Frank. I remember this for many, many years ago, so I'm not quoting it verbatim. But she wishes at some point there that all parents in the world would love their children as the Jews have displayed love to their children for thousands of years. In the times of Avram Avinu, people would sacrifice children. Even in later generations, when monotheism spread more and more, very often parents felt that they owned their children to the point of often doing whatever they want. The Jewish people certainly has its rotten apples, no question. Adayay maza. We don't have to be naive. But as the consciousness of humanity develops and monotheism was brought more and more into the world, the nature of the love of Jewish mothers to children and Jewish fathers to children spreads more and more. But it's something that is super-rational. That type of love and commitment to family. And it's not easy. You see, today we live in a culture where families disintegrate very easily. People often say, why should I even have children? If I have children, why do I have to take care of them? I have to make sacrifices for them. So you might say it's just nature, but it's not. A lot of people make decisions in life that ruin their children. And they say, I come first. This happens constantly on a daily basis. I come first. My priorities come first. Don't take this for granted. This didn't happen from nowhere. Where was this type of love born? Where was this type of dedication born? The answer is, on top of the mountain. On top of that mountain, Avram and Yitzchak found a new level of love. It's the love that is supra-rational. It's the love that lives in paradox. Because love is filled with paradox. Let's face it. Who causes mothers more pain than children? Anybody? All your sleepless nights, who did they come from? Your shviger or your children? Tell me the truth. <laughs> your mechutin? Your mechutin, you get upset about Sheva Brachas. Hopefully you get over it. Get a good therapist or a rav, get over it. You go to Rabbi Schlesinger. He deals with this all day. My mechutin didn't give me bracha. I was supposed to, yeah? Fourth bracha, the sixth bracha, the fifth bracha. 
the Ksuvah, the Naden, a Dira Nairtisrol, no Dira Nairtisrol. Yimachutn, you'll get over. Baruch Hashem, just meet them at the Upshernish and smile. Peace with Mechutanim is a good thing. It's a good thing. Sometimes a zipper on the mouth. Nishkeferlich. You'll tell your husband what you're thinking, and Glandik, Pshayim. Your children cause you sleepless nights. Children know how to turn over the kishkas of a tata and a mama like nobody else. Tsar Gidl Bonim is not semantics. And sometimes, and it's painful to say, this I deal with a lot, some parents, the pain is so deep, they feel the best way of getting rid of the pain is disassociating from their children. If you can get out of my house, if you can get out of my life, if you're not my son or daughter anymore, our life will be the perfect Muncie family. The Shatchanim were always knocking on our doors till you came around. Get out of the family, they'll keep on knocking on our doors. But we all know that the pain of disassociating from a child is much worse than all the pain your child will cause you. What Avram Avinu demonstrated at this moment is love lives in paradox. Love does not always need to put things into an organized box. Your child is on a conveyor belt, you follow the trajectory, everything works out, I love you. Love can thrive in the tension of so much in life which is unknown. How? The second Hineni is not a contradiction to the first Hineni. It's a continuum of the first Hineni. People think there's two Hinenis, they're separate. No! All the Hinenis are in this story because it's all the same Hineni. A relationship with Hashem, Avraham Avinu learns at this moment, is not a relationship with some transcendental being who lives in heaven and causes you to detach from emotions. A relationship with Hashem means that your love can reach a space of infinity. And if it could reach a space of infinity, it could contain everything. And it can contain your child in his or her totality. And it could contain your child in his or her journey. And it can contain your child in all of their vicissitudes and circumstances of life. The Hineni, the first Hineni of Avram is what allowed the second Hineni. Because the first Hineni taught Avram Avinu, love is not just based on my ego and it feels good and it's finite and it's a nachas machine and you're gewaldic and it's good and there's pictures on all the walls and I match you and I dispatch you. I, well, I, told, I asked a rabbi once, what's your mission statement in shul? He says, I hatch them, I match them, I dispatch them. I'm like, not bad, right? It's great. Yeah, you hatch them, you match them up, and you dispatch them. Go, call me for the bar mitzvah of your son. I don't want to hear any complaints till then. I'll show up at the bar mitzvah, I'll pay half the bill. I'll come for the mitzvah towns. Love is sometimes filled with light and darkness, with paradoxes. When Avram Avinu could say, it wasn't a surrender to a mysterious, to a God, who's this God who has his own agendas and couldn't care less about people, and I become this saintly figure and I detach from my family. That's not Judaism. What happens at that moment is, Avraham Avinu opens up, like El Ha'aretz Asherah El Achad His love to Yitzchak is now elevated, Asherah Why is this the first love in Chumash? Is this the place to say that you love your child when you're about to kill him? Tell me. 
I'll ask you, hey, you love your kid? Yeah, I'm about to burn him. Really? That's the best time to talk about love, isn't it? Don't talk about love. Don't talk about love. Do me a favor, okay? You want to talk about your sacrifice? Fine, don't talk to me about love. You want to be a martyr? Be a martyr. You want your children to be martyrs? Where's the love? The Chidush Arim writes that the deepest love Avram ever felt for Yitzchak was at this moment. Because Hashem said Asher Hafta. It was almost like God infused this love with infinite nuclear energy. Every parent loves children if you're normal. Every animal parent loves their cubs if they're normal, if they're healthy. But it's a love that's based on nature. You're an extension of me, I love you. Can your love go from a place of finiteness to infinity? Can it go from human love to divine love? From Avarachamon to Avarachamim. Avarachamon is a compassionate father. Avarachamim is the father of compassion. You see the difference? That's why Shabbos, we often say, Avarachamim. It's not a compassionate, a father is compassionate. If he's a normal person, he's a compassionate father. Kerachim of Albanim, Keterachim. Avarachamim is the father of compassion. The author of compassion. That compassion is infinite. Hashem says, the boy you love, I want, him to, I want you to love him on my terms. My terms? What are your terms? You're telling me to, you're telling me to kill him. At this moment, Avram Avinu gives up even his love that is human. He surrenders even the natural love to the divine. And Hashem says, you think you love Yitzchak, you think I don't love Yitzchak? <laughs> Who created Yitzchak? You think you love Yitzchak and I don't love Yitzchak? You think you love you and I don't love you? You think you love your family and I don't love your family? All of love comes from me. Where did, you, where did a father get love? Where did a mother get love? Who created love? Where does love come from? Where does love come from? I'm the author of love. Avram Avinu, I know about love. One second, so why are we killing Yitzchak? Avram, love in its source is not going to be a logical equation. There is a destination that is beyond definition. There is life that is infinite. It doesn't fit into a box. I'm inviting you to a relationship of Hineni that allows you to transcend the human parameters of love. Such a Hineni is not just to God, it's to my child. Avram Avinu could say Hineni Bni because there's not an ounce of narcissism or ego in his love. Let's face it, love can have a little tinge of Echvildenachas. And when my child disappoints me, and what if your child is going on a journey that's very difficult? It's like, I had it. I'm done. I'm done. You're human. You're normal. There's parents, some of you know them very well, who in recent years have demonstrated literally making somersaults every day to hold on to their children, who put them through the ringer. I look at them. They're unbelievable heroes because they say he nanny to their children, because they say Hineni to Hashem. When you say Hineni to Hashem, there's a new question. It's ask not what your child can do for you. It's ask what you can do for your child. It's hard. Let's face it, it's hard. Even wonderful people, it's hard. It takes a tremendous Hineni. But the Hineni of Judaism is a Hineni not to weaken your love, to turn your love into something infinite. So Avram knows when my child says Avi, and I'm on the way to doing something that's unfathomable, I'm not running away from any emotion. 
I'm going to be fully, fully present. He does not shut down. He will not shut down because of the paradox. He will not shut down because of the pain. Because there's an element of trust. There's an element of faith. There's an element of connectivity to something that is beyond my brain. You know what? Somehow you're going to discover yourself in the process. Where are you going to discover yourself? By killing your child. Where? You're going to feel guilty for the rest of your life. It's not what he says. Go to you. Just like when you go on that journey where I'm going to show you, you're going to find yourself, you'll find a deeper self. Here you'll also find a deeper father. You're going to find a deeper mother. You're going to become a deeper father. Because the Hineni, the first Hineni, will produce the second Hineni, which will produce the third Hineni. What's the third Hineni? Hineni, I won't put my finger on my child. I'm going to take my child back. But the child that Avram took back is not the same child that was there before. Child that he had before, he loved. He loved tremendously. He would have done anything for him. The child he loved now, the love graduated from a human love to an infinite love, to a divine love, to a love that will never ever be destroyed by conflict, by paradox, by questions, by dilemmas, by rational proofs. To a love that allows you to be fully present in every situation, even when it does not make sense. I could still say Hineni. So as we read this story, the third Vayel Chushnei Yachtov, they go together. It's a different type of togetherness. And when people wonder, when people wonder, you know, if I love my child because my child is an extension of me, so we're such a level of commitment. Sometimes people do things for their children they wouldn't even think of doing for themselves. There's things that children bring out in parents that never happens without these children. Rabbi Shimon Russell says, Tsar Giddel Bonim is Tsar Giddel through Bonim. It's how you grow up through your children. There's nobody who... A teenager told me, Rabbi, why, why? It's very hard to raise parents today. <laughs> Poor kids responsible for raising their parents. Nobody who raises parents like children. Why not? What happened? And the answer is the Akedah. That Hineni of Avram Avinu, the courage that that Hineni took, I'm not running away to heaven. I'm not giving you up. That's not my job. A father doesn't give up on a child. He's dead in a few minutes. It's over. Just go to God. No, 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 no. Not over. Hineni bini. If I know God, God wants me to be here for my child. Paradox. Yeah, I'm fine with paradox. I don't figure out everything. It's his job. But I know I'm fully present in these situations. That moment a love was born. And that love that descended on the world and accompanied Avram and Yitzchak back. The first time it says love in Torah. That moment, a new level of love was born. A love that is infinite. A love that is godly. A love that is undefined. A love that can endure through difficult and easy situations. A love that's ultimately transformative. And a love that never, ever, ever demands from the person to say, I have to amputate a certain part of me, emotionally or physically, because my loyalties are completely contradictory. 
I could say hineni to Hashem. I could say hineni to my child. Not only are the two not opposites, the two ultimately complement each other. I know of a son. He left Yiddishkeit. And the father shared this with me. The boy came to, speaking to his father. The boy says, father is a very, very Erlechayid. He's a real Yerushalayim. He's really a God-fearing Jew. And his son uh, left Yiddishkeit, at least for now. So he was talking, the father shared with me, his son was having a conversation with him. And uh, his son said to him, you know, do you realize that I believe in nothing that you believe in? And I practice nothing that you practice. And I will never practice anything you practice. I will never do anything you do. Do you realize that? I want you to, son was like trying to be honest, like, wake up, you know? Wake up, I'm not bringing Negevasa to my bed tomorrow night. And not even my Mahrainim. Right? You know the story, the guy comes to the rabbi, he needs a tikkun. Rabbi said, what happened? He said, I benched without my Mahrainim. He said, okay, he said, but why not? He said, because I didn't bench. He says, uh, well, why not? He says, well, actually, I, I didn't wash. He says, well, why not? He says, well, the food wasn't kosher. He says, well, why wasn't the food kosher? He says, it was Yom Kippur. All the, all the, kosher, uh, all the kosher restaurants were closed. Sati Treif. He says, well, well, why can't you eat in your house? He says, you want me to eat for my, for my shiksa wife? So it started with my machreina, but it turned out to be something else. Right? It's like you, sh- you share a little part of the story. And the father told me that it was, was, it was one of the most mo- d- difficult moments of his life. Which hineni do you answer at that moment? It's a question many fathers and mothers have today. Who do you say hineni to? The boy is promising him that he'll never be from, ever. Right? So one boy I know, his father told him, Shegitz, Arois! Boom, Hineni. The father told me, he said, I looked at my son, and I said, my dear son, let me tell you something. The moment, the moment that for me, a relationship with Hashem translates in distance from my child, it means it's not a real relationship with Hashem. For me, a real relationship with Hashem means that my love to you is infinite. Because what is Hashem? What does it mean a relationship with Hashem? What does it mean a relationship with Hashem? A relationship with Hashem means a relationship with Hashem on His terms. I'll show you the land. I'll take you to the mountain. You want to find you? Find me because you are me. Relationship with Hashem is a relationship with infinity. So for me, he told his son, it's not, I'll be religious and I'll also like you. That's not what he said. (laughs) He said, for me, a relationship with Hashem means that my love to you is divine. It knows no bounds. For relationship with Hashem means I distance myself from you. I'm not relating to Hashem. I'm relating to my ego. And religion becomes part of my ego. I'm not going to do that. And he told me that his son was quiet and he just stared at him and he said, thank you. Thank you. Now trust me, (laughs) 
that boy is going to become a Shemateria Mitzvah one day. Trust me. <laughs> he has his journeys to go through. But this is what his father understood. If the first Hineni doesn't give birth to the second Hineni, it's because you didn't grasp the first Hineni. If you would have grasped the first Hineni, Lech Lecha, you would have discovered a deeper parent in you. And your love then graduates and morphs into a space of absolute infinity. Have a wonderful week. Oh, important announcement. Next week I'm in Eretz Yisrael. For Kesher Nafshi, actually. For Kesher Nafshi. So there's no class next week. You coming? Oh. Yeah. So please, please tell your... If you could just tell your relatives or friends who may come here that next week there's no class, we resume the week after. Thank you. Have a beautiful week. Yes. There's a different level of Ineni. Fashtanan? Kaprenda? Yes. Yes. You're saying that the, ch- the ch- child who's challenging you requires a much deeper Hineni. And their reciprocity is so much deeper. It's an honor to have you. That's a compliment. She says it was worthwhile to come from Strasbourg for the class. Amen. You're asking the biggest question of history. Why do bad things happen to good people? I know, I know. We don't know the answer. We don't know the answer. I've been through a lot. <coughs> Why Hashem allows the abuse of children is something that our human brain cannot grasp. Most of these children of Keshe are struggling with this. So is maybe it's our the parents' job to maybe be there for the children? Of course. Our job is to say, Hineni Bini. Now we have so many questions. If this is what Hashem wants, why did you do this? Don't tell me to bring my child to the mountain where I feel I'm going to lose him and now I have to be here. Like you... Avraham Avinu opened himself up to mystery. He didn't have to figure it out. We spoke last week, and this week is You find a much deeper part of yourself when you open yourself up to the fact that we don't have to understand. I ask myself, what is my shlichus at this moment? What is my job? My job is to say, And you know what happens? You find out a much deeper relationship is created. Why it happens, I don't know. Avramovin also says, I don't understand. Why do you do this? So we say it's a test. So the Ramban says, Hashem doesn't know before. So he says, things are dormant. It brings it up. But these are so much of it is... There's things we can understand, there's things we don't. But we are not just rational minds. We are infinite manifestations of Hashem in this world. Thank you. So there's the three Hinanis, you understand? First Hinani is to the Rabbi Nishalaylam. Second Hinani to his child. The third Hinani is now don't touch your child. Now take back your child. Now love your child with the same love you loved me 
and the same love you loved him, bring that all back into your child. Give him divine love. At Mivina, if the child did something bad, listen, so often their decisions that we call bad are often resulting from very, very deep uh, pain. Right? Right, yeah, 100%, 100%. So we have to be able to see that. We have to be able to have compassion. But the only way you can have compassion on your child is if you have compassion for yourself. Atzlacha with everything. A lot of nachas. Thank you so much for coming. Pleasure to have you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.